Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. Welcome back. I'm really delighted to be here again, um, sharing a conversation around self-care and the real definitions of self-care. So how we can actually start to practice um, some new habits, new ideas, new ways of seeing ourselves in the world and see really tangible benefits from it. And one of the things that in the spirit of just like moving everything forward in, in the slowest kind of inching forward way possible is I was noticing that um, I don't have very many reviews on my podcast. And I was looking at a friend's page and he had a lot of reviews because he asked for them every week. It's a really big thing that he does. So I figured the first step in possibly getting some more reviews and some ratings would be to ask for it. So if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, I would invite you to come and leave some stars and a review of what, what's working for you in it. If you have any feedback, I'd be really open to hearing that feedback in the reviews as well. Know that I'm very appreciative of it and, um, and onwards. So this week we have a, a wonderful guest. Her name is Lauren Koneko-Jones. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Gracie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I've known Lauren for a couple of years. We've done some work together around what it is to be a healer and a businesswoman and, and how to make that process really feminine and fun and helpful for our clients. And Lauren lives in the Bay Area where she is a holistic health coach and a licensed acupuncturist. And she works through the lens of traditional medicine and helps people to create an overall sense of self-confidence, support, and well-being. Lauren is passionate about bringing holistic health to a wider audience to keep people healthy and let them live an expansive life. She, her business is called Well in the West. If you live in the Bay Area, you can get some, some great treatments um, with needles and herbs from Lauren. And if you are listening out there in another part, there's a lot of ways to connect to Lauren too, which she'll tell you about at the end of the call. So Lauren, I, I love just the wealth of knowledge that you have about health and your passion for it. And can you tell me a little bit more about how you started um, getting interested in the work that you do and really what helped you to create the self-confidence support and well-being that you needed to, to share that with a wider audience? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think there's so how I got into it and then how I have gained the support, self-confidence um, and well-being are sort of two different questions. Um, when I think back to the beginning, I didn't feel supported. I didn't feel self-confident and I didn't feel in a state of well-being. Um, and that was um, at the end of, I was living in New York. I went to college there and lived there for about five years. And at the end of my time there, I was having some pretty serious health issues. Um, I fainted once. I was having blackouts, losing my vision and my hearing, but often remaining conscious. Um, and this wasn't like, you know, other people in their early 20s were like, oh yeah, I was drinking last weekend and I blacked out. This wasn't like that. <laughs> this was like really crazy, like losing my senses. Um, so it was really scary and I went to two MDs and they both didn't really do anything for me. Um, one gave me like a high dose of ibuprofen to take because uh, I had a headache following one of the episodes and the other one just said, well, I think you're stressed. Um, so I started seeing an acupuncturist then, um, Johanna Hergit in New York and she's not in the city anymore, but she's in upstate. And we just had a great time talking about Chinese medicine and it all made so much sense to me. So that's kind of what led me to get interested. And then when I moved home, 
um, to California, I started volunteering at a community acupuncture clinic called Berkeley Community Acupuncture, um, which is the first community acupuncture clinic in Berkeley, California, um, and just got really close with the owner um, and senior acupuncturist there, um, Tui Nguyen, and she and I talked a lot about the medicine. So that's sort of how I got into it. And then, you know, over time, learning tips and tricks of nutrition and even like being able to go to acupuncture and feel better. Um, but learning ways that I could help myself rather than the MD sort of being like, well, I think you're stressed, you know, good luck, try to be less stressed. Um, so learning, I think, some practical self-care tools. Um, and then over time, becoming, you know, supported and feeling a sense of stronger sense of self-confidence and well-being really has like, I think, been learning a lot of how to support my health, um, but also so many different things. Um, I've done a lot of personal work. I've done personal work in groups like with Gracie and um, it all has really added up to be a really great experience. One of the things I really appreciate about you is just how how real your perspective is on on health and well being, and that it's it's not something we should be perfect at, and it's something that we're going to have you know good days and bad days on. And I'm curious, as I always run into this with Ayurveda, is like how do you take such an ancient science like Chinese medicine and translate it into a way that, that your clients and you can work with it on, on a daily basis in like a very imperfect way? I mean, I guess I see so many things as practice. Um, and if we think about the word practice, it means like to try, right? Um, and so it's interesting. I was, I think in one of my artists and healers conversations, I had a conversation. Somebody didn't like that word. Um, but, you know, to be honest, like things, so many things change on a day-to-day -day basis, especially like in our, in our very fast paced lives. So I don't know how to do the same thing every day. So I can't teach that to other people either. <laughs> um, and it really is like a do what you can situation i think sometimes people can do more than they think they can um and i will try to encourage that and push them to do that if i can see that but um so often you know you just start where you are and things happen like really blossom over time i agree with that i think that that um feeling like we have to get it all right is probably our biggest hindrance to actually making any kind of change that will work to just totally. that showing up again and again and again. Um, it, it doesn't really satisfy the part of my brain that wants to be safe and secure and know it all, but it really satisfies like that part of my soul that is like eager to like always wanting to learn more and just like take so much joy in like, Oh wow, that worked. Or like that little teeny like development in there. Yeah. And it takes time for those things to make change too. So it's like you could adapt a new way of eating um, you know, I think most commonly people do that for weight loss. Um, but there's so many other reasons. I think energy and mental clarity are starting to become more highlighted. Um, and it's not like you can have one day of changed eating and like 
have totally different energy or mental clarity or weight loss. You know, it does, it, it even takes time to implement things into your body's system of change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, th- I think change is so stimulating to the system, even if it's really positive change that like we, we just need to watch like how much we can handle in any one moment. And I know for myself, I can always mentally handle more than I can emotionally handle or physically handle. So like keeping that perspective feels really important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad you mentioned before um, your artists and healers project. So Lauren is working on this project called artists and healers, where it's an interview series that she's sharing on Instagram. And during it, the series, she interviews someone who considers themselves an artist or someone who considers themselves a healer and has these conversations around what that means and possibly the overlap between the two. I was privileged to, to be earlier last month um, on, on her uh, artists and healers series. So, how do you how do you see yourself? I'm assuming you see yourself a little bit more as a healer than an artist, but I'd be interested in hearing that. And like, how has that definition evolved for you as you've done the work that that you've set out to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I kind of have stepped into both definitions a little bit more. I think um, so. The project is is really actually tied into kind of seasonal health and spring for me um, because, you know, what I've done recently is done these um, group coaching courses based on seasonal health and teaching Chinese medicine that way, um, but also giving people self-care tools and, you know, again, ways to support their self-confidence and um, support themselves and feel really good and positive and empowered. so I did winter and spring recently and spring is such a big time for creativity. Like I am always starting something new in the spring. Um, whether it be, I think I did your program last spring, I believe it started in May or April. Um, sometimes I'm doing an art project. Sometimes I'm learning how to cook a new thing. It just is such a time for renewal and growth. Um, and as we start to propel ourselves into summer, um, it, it just, it feels really natural. So artists and healers kind of came about because I'd been thinking about it and not really sure what to do with it. Um, and then there is a worldwide, totally free um, art project that is um, done. People post their work on Instagram called the 100 day project. And it was started in this format, the Instagram um, community format by a, an artist named Elle Luna, um, who's incredible. She's really wonderful. She has an a, amazing book called The Crossroads of Should and Must, if you haven't heard of it before. So anyways, the 100-day project was just, it's this time to explore an idea that you have. So a lot of people are painters or writers and um, kind of doing small pieces of work every day. And I was really curious to explore artists and healers and I wasn't really sure what that meant. And again, it like started during the spring. It's a set amount of time. All these other people are doing their work. So there's a bit of accountability and support um, in just the community and seeing what other people are doing. So that's what propelled me to do it at this time. Um, As I identify, I definitely do identify as a healer, but that was hard for me. I 
actually really resented the word when I was in acupuncture school and probably even earlier on in my career. Um, but as I've treated um, so many patients, I have worked a lot in community acupuncture. So I don't know. I ran the numbers of what I've done in my clinic, which is only a couple of days a week in the past two years. And it was something like 1500 treatments. Wow. Yeah. Which is not even the majority of the treatments that I've done. So, you know, I'm probably close to that like 10,000 number um, of, you know, number of like treatments that I've given. So anyways, I, I have some patients that really, they literally call me their healer or like one of their healers. And I think at this point, there's no denying that I have that role for people. Um, and, you know, now that I'm a little bit more okay with the word, um, I can look back and see that that was my role as a child in many ways as well. Um, an artist, like less so in a traditional way, um, but friends of mine actually own a flower shop in San Francisco called Ampersand, and they do incredibly beautiful, unique flowers. They also bring their art home in the respect that kind of everything in their house is like arranged just so, you know, and it's thoughtful and it's interesting and it feels um, unique and purposeful. Um, and I think I started to see how broad the term artist could be and um, how it's really sort of a perspective on how you see the world. Um, and I think that I've stepped into that a little bit. And I really enjoy working with creative people. A lot of my patients are creative. Um, a lot of them are actually artists and makers. So um, I don't know that I fully identify with that term, but I, I understand a little bit more the flexibility of it now um, and enjoy some of the, the more practical arts of like, getting things to look a certain way at home um, or having food look a certain way or, you know, things like that. As you're speaking, there's so many thoughts that are firing in my brain right now around the connections between heart healers and artists that we, at our first conversation that we had, I, I feel like I really got a whole bunch out of just passing some ideas back and forth around. Cause I think I, like you, I just, it's hard for me to step into that role of fully acknowledging like the healer, even saying it out loud right now feels a little hard. But mm -hmm. yeah, when I look at how many yoga classes I've taught over the years or, you know, hours of coaching calls I've had. And, um, and when you were talking about the, the creativity as being like the recommendation in Chinese medicine for the spring, because everything right now is so creative and, and just what it is to like be creative in, in like being intentional on in how we place fruit in a bowl or how we put a meal together that all of that is that there's something that's really healing about creativity itself. And, and like what came to mind for me was intentionality mm -hmm. and that when we are intentional about how we want to live our lives, it, it does create a healing process. And maybe that's part of what, um, what can be great about showing up every day and perfectly is that we always can come back to like our intentionality. Mm -hmm. So does that feel true to you? And if so, how do you like wake up in the morning and, and like, practice intentionality in your day to, to like cultivate this path of health and well-being that, that you're teaching other people? <laughs> um, I think 
you know, I, I guess the danger of intentionality is perfectionism. Um, because I can see it cross that line so quickly, but I do think that they are different and that when, um, being intentional isn't obsessive or, um, taking over everything, um, it it can be really healing. Um, I see in myself and I see in a lot of others, the, that, the switch to perfectionism happens really quickly. So it can be hard to tell (laughs) what's driving you. Um, I think for me, you know, I am still learning how to be intentional on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think I really enjoy my life when I'm intentional, but you know, I live in the modern world in 2017 and there's so many distractions and, I have a lot going on, um, but I think year by year I've kind of slowed down um, and dug into that feeling of like what it feels like to be intentional on a daily basis. Um, I have some really technological, like modern ways to get intentional a little bit. I have a few reminders on my phone that go off daily Um, at noon I have a little reminder with a lot of like cute little emojis to go outside. (laughs) And um, at four, I have one that says, how are you? Mind, body, and spirit. And then um, I was doing a daily like drawing art project. Um, So I still have a reminder for that, but I haven't done that for a little while. And then I have a reminder um, to power down for sleep around 10 o'clock. So those are small ways that, you know, sometimes it's like I see it and it's very intentional, but sometimes I see it and it's just noise. So I would say that I try, (laughs) but I don't know that it's always um, effective. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, again, it's like, you're so real and honest and how you bring it out there. I think just hearing that, it gives me more permission to be like, yeah, I do. I, I try every morning and there are some times where I, just hit play on Netflix again and stay up an hour later, even though part of me is like, you should really go to bed right now. I think letting ourselves be those human beings who can show up the next day and try again, that to me, that feels like one of the deepest layers of self-care much more than getting the like external practice, right. Which is like the perfectionism. And well, it's, it seems like with, um, with your practices in Chinese medicine, especially around the seasonal changes and how to adapt with the seasons that that is there's a layer of um following that that could be helpful i know for me doing the ayurvedic seasonal changes really helps me to refocus and get inspired again it so what is it that um that chinese medicine teaches around spring and going into summer and this time of year and and how is that helping you and your clients right now i know the creativity is one of them but i'm curious what the other ones are yeah totally um you know and something i like to just explain to people is that, you know, I think we really, a lot of our health and wellness rules that have become really standard um, are really static, like eight hours of sleep a night, eight glasses of water, um, 30 minutes of exercise. What else? Three meals a day. Um, I think those are the most standard. 
Um, but our bodies are changing all the time. Our bodies are not static at all. <laughs> They're so responsive to so many different things and things outside of what our controls are. So those are sort of our controls, the sleep and the eating and the water and exercise. Like we, we actually get to choose and control those things. But there's a lot of things like way outside of our control that we, you know, um, don't pay attention to. Um, so it's interesting because the weather changes during different seasons, right? And we don't have the illusion that we can control whether it's raining or not. But we do have the illusion that we can control everything else, like our moods and, um, you know, I don't know how like rested we feel and all this stuff. So what I would just say is that sometimes you need way more, way less than eight hours of sleep. And for women that really depends on their menstrual cycle, but also the season. Um, and food wise too, I think that really nutritious food that matches a season can definitely like steady emotional ups and downs um, and steady energy and really be wonderfully supportive, but we can't eat the same thing like, you know, for breakfast, like year round, it's just not really the way that things work. Um, so spring into summer is like such a fun time. I think people really love it. <laughs> it feels really good. Um, and part of that is because it matches our culture. Um, it's really a time of like, motivation and creativity um, and innovation moving into this like peak time of energy you know and people are always like oh my gosh I love how light it is you know I love how late the light is because we we enjoy happiness and fun and light in our culture we have a much harder time with darkness and rest and quiet so um specifically i think i really encourage people to get creative and like start a new project um and this can be in so many ways this can this can be food and exercise related like maybe try a new exercise class um maybe this is like very literal like painting or drawing or something like that writing um sometimes it's learning how to cook a new food um I always encourage people to go to farmer's markets and now is a good time of year that I can tell people all that all over the country because a lot of farmer's markets close in the dead of winter. Um, so yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, it really does. Like, I feel very inspired listening to it and giggling just because I'm like, we totally are such a like spring into summer culture. <laughs> totally extroverted, like, yeah, happy light and not wanting to think about any of those dark spaces. And, mm -hmm. um, and it, it does feel really good. I, I like it. I like, I like breaking through in that. And I like um, the freshness of the food and everything. But I like, as you say it, I'm like, oh, that is the edge is really learning how to do the opposite too when winter comes, mm -hmm. how to let it all go, how to let the fields light life fallow for a little while so we can just regenerate and recharge. So um, I'm already putting a post-it note that we're going to have you back on the podcast um, in fall, if that's cool <laughs> with you. So we can yeah, totally talk more about those practices. And, and we just started our farmer's markets here in Washington, D.C., so it, it, it is, like, such a, a nice shift of seasons. Um, can, can you speak a little bit more about how this affects um, women in particular, like, these changes? I was, like, when you were talking about sleep and the menstrual cycle, I got, I got my interest was peaked, and I, I think it's a particularly 
poignant to me right now just because I'm, I'm not having a period because I'm, I'm having a baby, which is just such a huge hormonal change too. And I'm noticing all of my habits are so incredibly different. And I, um, I'm a little bit in awe of like how much my body has just completely adapted to something new. And um, even though not everyone is, who is a woman out there is pregnant, everyone generally gets a, a menstrual cycle for a part of their life. So can you share more what helps um, you for self-care during those, those shifts? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's cool about being pregnant is I think there's like no denying your body during that time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people try, you know, but um, one of my friends actually when she was pregnant and she was pregnant in San Francisco, she went to Walgreens or something and the lady there was like, oh, my God, when I was you know, the same, like, um, I don't know if it was second trimester. I can't remember exactly how pregnant she was. I think it was sometime in her second trimester. The lady, the checkout lady was like, I could have laid down on the sidewalk to take a nap. <laughs> you know, like you can't, I think pregnancy makes you get really real about what your body needs from you. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. There's, <laughs> it's like body, body sleeps. So don't want to sleep. Body wakes up. But like I am wake up at, um, like 2 a.m. just starving and I need it's like I need like a little bit of food it's not like I need to eat a full meal but I need a snack so I get up and I eat and I go right back to sleep but if I don't eat I can't go back to sleep and this is like I never snack and like to snack in the middle of the night with like Ayurveda you'd never do that um but Ayurveda with pregnancy is like really eat whatever you want you are you are the divine feminine and so yeah. it was like just a little bit of an adjustment for me to be like this is just the way it is I eat a snack at 2 a.m. now <laughs> And that helps me sleep. And it's, and it's a little scary to change um, and to kind of give into the body too. Like there, there are moments where I feel resistance around it as well. Yeah. I mean, I so identify with what you said earlier about like being mentally really open to change, but physically and emotionally, it's a lot harder to integrate those things. Um, I kind of feel like the menstrual cycle connects to that as well. It's like intellectually, well, I think what has happened with a lot of like the feminist movement and women's equality, and I don't think this is um, problematic overall, but for a long time, feminism meant to be like men. And as women, we're, we're not for the most part. Um, and by nature, you know, from a physical, like physiological body perspective, the menstrual cycle is a really, um, it's an intense thing that happens every month, hopefully. Um, and it can teach you a lot about where, what's happening in your body. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm just PMSing. PMSing is like a huge time of truth. Um, to check in with what's going on because if you if your body's really supported and you're eating really healthily and exercising and and I don't mean healthily like salads I mean like getting really good fats um, and nutrients like you're not going to have the same amount of irritability you know um, for example so the menstrual cycle actually kind of parallels the seasons. Um, and like we love, you know, spring into summer, we love like that time just like before ovulation or around ovulation, you know, women are said to be like much more 
attractive around that time. Like biologically, men are more attracted to women. Um, they're just kind of more glowy um, in general. So I think that that's like a really great extroverted time. But the time around our menses is a really like inward quiet time but we can't always schedule our lives around that like that's not the reality of the modern day world so um there is a lot of knowledge in the menstrual cycle and i try um to get people to pay attention to this especially if they're having symptoms um because symptoms are always just your body telling you that it needs something symptoms like like emotional mood swings cramps Breast um, tenderness, like bloating, yeah, Men like menstrual cramps, like whether they be uterine or a lot of people get low back pain. Um, some people get headaches and migraines with their cycles, um, energy dips, trouble sleeping, night sweats. Um, these are all like way more common than you'd think. Like you can see somebody that looks totally healthy um, and they have these like crazy hormonal ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, and I think part of it is just having a conversation. Uh, we, we actually know each other through some mutual friends who connect back through um, Anne Friedman and, and Aminati Sal who have the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. And they talk really openly about this week in menstruation. They're always talking about their periods and the cramps they get and, you know, just period culture and bringing that out there. And at first I was like, oh, that's cute. It's fun to hear about it. Or, you know, like, oh, I commiserate. But the more that they talk about it, the more I'm like, that's, it's really subversive because it's this thing that we've taught that we like can't talk about, that we have to just pretend it's okay, that like, it's, it's like a secret, our thing. It, it becomes something that we can connect over, something that we can, you know, give each other like the permission to like take a step back. And that's a huge part of Ayurveda too, is that you, when you're getting your period, you just don't do as much or you don't, you don't even talk as much. Like when I would teach yoga um, during my period, I would just try to say like half of what I would normally say and just leave a lot more time and space and not feel like I had to fill that time and space up. And that was a really helpful practice for me. And, and when, what I someday hope can come from all of this is it's a time where we can really celebrate like, Oh, I don't have to do so much. Oh, I'm just going to like drink some tea and go to bed early tonight and like take a bath or whatever I need to do. And, and maybe, maybe culturally, the more we have these conversations, the more we can get there. Cause I do think that's part of the path of celebrating ourselves as a woman. Yeah. Um, that sounds so awesome. I hope that we get there too. <laughs> and, and like when you talk about the seasonal changes, I, I do think of that as being such a feminine process to really shift and change because I think the the masculine process is just a little bit more linear like routine you do the same things all the time and um do you think that this that's saying that men don't have that feminine part to them too that wants to shift and change but do you think this healing work that you do is is bringing in more of like a spirit of the feminine yeah I mean I think so just by my nature um but, you know, men have these cycles too. They're just different. Like the female hormonal cycles over, you know, the, the 28 to 32 day cycle um, in, a, in a sort of like quote unquote normal cycle. Um, in Chinese medicine, we look like 26 to 34. So it can be a little bit shorter or longer. Um, men have more of a daily cycle. So it is a little bit more linear, as you said, because their experience is 
kind of similar day to day. Um, I definitely think that, you know, just what I mentioned earlier about feminism and, and really like, I think there was for a long time this, um, not in everybody, but like in the overarching definition of feminism was like about like the equality got um, misunderstood as sameness. And I don't necessarily think by leaders of feminists, but, or by everybody, but like as, as a general thing, you know, I think that um, sameness was what was being strived for. And I think that um, more recently feminism in like talking about periods on a podcast that's, you know, national and really successful. Um, and more of these conversations like women to women about like what bodies need and, and the realities of that are sort of bringing out that like women can be powerful, but it's different. It's not, uh, it's not the same as when a man is powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm feeling that a lot of my like, um, like changing business structure as being pregnant right now. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving myself maternity leave, which is great. And I'm, you know, not going to get paid for that amount of time and the way that I have been, it's not, it's not following that linear structure. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about like, how can, how could this be like a powerful move right now? Like how can we teach that we can like shift our, our businesses and our, our well-being and that like, it's okay to like follow different rhythms with that, that, that correspond to the body and correspond to different phases of life. And so I, I don't know if I have an answer for that at all, but just that like that, that feels really true to like, just kind of something that's going on really personally for me right now. Yeah, totally. You know, and like when I say those statements, they're obviously generalizations, but it's kind of what I've seen in, in this patterning that, you know, from like my mom's generation to my generation, this difference um, in how we understand things. And I do think like right now there is this like, there is this need for nurturance culturally. And so I think the sort of, you know, the divine feminine or just sort of what we think of as feminine qualities are like really being asked for and are needed right now in a way that maybe, you know, when, when women were just fighting for the right to vote or, you know, equal pay or like the, you know, just jobs in general, um, there wasn't the need for that nurturance at the, at the time. But I think now we've like gone past that where there's like sort of enough opportunity for women that like some of the softness is actually being asked for again. Mm. One of my teachers, Diane Musher Hamilton, I'm doing this course with her on like emotional maturity, which is just blowing my mind. It's so great. But what she says is she's like, like the survival, like, was such a huge deal up until like the last generation of just establishing who you are making sure your family had enough food and surviving that like there wasn't even room to talk about emotions. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, as we have some of those needs a little bit more met in our culture, we can like begin to have this conversation around what is, what is the, the emotional and how that leaks into the spiritual as well. So it's, it's like, it, I resonate with what you're saying in that, that like, we've had to really like fight for our survival and like our establishment. And now we can have a more nuanced conversation about what it really means to be a woman and how self-care fits into that. Totally. 
Totally. Well, I, I always like to end these conversations with, with really getting what you, what self-care means for you, which of course might be different next time we talk, but for like your, this present moment experience of your life, like what does self-care really mean for you and, and how do you ensure that that happens for you most of the time? So yeah, I, this question is really interesting because it's so different. Um, at different times, I was having a conversation with a patient who hadn't been in to see me for a while, but she was undergoing like pretty intense cancer treatment, which was a time consuming um, and b just, you know, being in a medical care facility, even though it's very different than an acupuncture, I don't know, just kind of like needing to allot that time every day too. And I said, you know, sometimes self-care is just really not doing anything um, to her. And she, I think she appreciated that. Right now, my self-care is also doing less because there is a lot of transition in my life. So I'm trying to say no to things that I don't need to do socially and just kind of like make things more simple um, and be in my house and kind of organize and clean up a little bit. Um, I'm getting married in a couple months and... I'm actually leaving my clinic space in San Francisco um, at the end of the month. So there's just a lot of change happening <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm trying to just give myself time and space to, for my body and emotions to not freak out so much. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, sounds like there's a lot of birth and death happening all at once in your life. Oh my gosh, Yes. Oh, I can relate. I can relate. But I do. I feel like self care is like the life raft that like keeps it all. Like I can just float from one day to the next. I'm just like I can handle this change because I'm gonna go be outside for a little bit right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm trying to um, meditate and get a treatment once a week. Um, whether you know, I do different things for treatment. I obviously, I obviously get acupuncture, um, but sometimes I get massage. Um, and I'm working with a naturopath right now, so it kind of just depends on my schedule. Um, but try to do like one practitioner treatment a week, and then just eating really well, um, drinking a lot of tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know the little things going to farmers markets I love farmers markets like another thing I really encourage people to go to farmers markets for is because it's so exciting because produce <laughs> changes like constantly so you go and like something new is there and you're like oh my god it's time for like this and it's so delicious because it's from the farmers market not from I don't know what grocery store you guys have but um you know the food just tastes way better but also it's it's exciting because it's always changing. It's not like there's always bananas, apples, and oranges at the grocery store, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is like, it's very alive. It's, it's a feast for the whole, all the senses. And yeah. I, always, I always run into somebody I know. I always have a, like a good conversation. If I like bring Poncho, my dog, he always gets into some antics that are really amusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very alive experience. Yeah, totally. Oh, Lauren, this has been wonderful. I, I love talking to you and hearing, hearing your perspectives. And again, your, your attitude about how, how real this whole process is and how much you're willing to share that with us. So I think, I hope everyone who's listening out there feels like, okay, even if someone who is like considers herself a healer and that both of us, I think, have like admitted that we do that and that we both have very imperfect process means that you can totally be imperfect. And as long as you 
care and want to keep showing up a little bit every day, like that there's benefit in that. So Lauren, um, could you let people know how they can stay in touch with you and your work and your seasonal coaching programs? And then also, um, could you give a recommendation for people who are listening, who might not have ever done acupuncture before, but are curious about how to start to make that happen and wherever they live? Yeah, totally. So you can stay in touch with me. Um, on my newsletter, which you can go to my website, which is wellinthewest.com. And my social, all my social media info is there, but my handle is just at wellinthewest. Um, if you want to check out artists and healers, it's only on Instagram at artists and healers. Um, and I send out really fun um, newsletters about some seasonal health changes. And then whenever I'm having a coaching program, I have some emails leading up to that. So if you're interested in doing that work, it's really cool. Um, I'm kind of redesigning some stuff for fall and, and only doing a live event in the summer. Um, but if you are curious about that at all, it's, it's really great work. I just finished the spring course with um, a few great women and, they got so much out of it and it was really fun to work with them. So you are more than welcome. Um, but if you just stay in touch with me, you can, you'll get some of the info anyways. Um, and then acupuncture is so wonderful for so many things. I think it's really most known for pain, but that's kind of how people walk in the office and then they can learn what it, what it does. It can really help the, the easiest things are pain. It can help you sleep. It can help reduce anxiety and stress. Um, just help your muscles relax in general. If you say have really tight neck and shoulders and jaw, anyone, um, but it can help with digestive problems in general. It, I've had people get off the table and they're just like, I really have a wonderful sense of well being. So even though we're working on something specific, they come off kind of, I think feeling like they're, their whole selves, um, and so it's a really, really incredible way to feel relief and change in a really like short amount of time. It only takes like less than an hour. So mm, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I've been yeah, on your recommendation since getting pregnant. I've been going once a week or once every two weeks and it, it does, it makes a huge difference. It feels, um, I feel, I feel like it's cumulative in my body too, that like I get a treatment and I get the next week and every time I get one, it feels like it sinks in more and more and more. Totally. It's totally cumulative. Yeah. Mm. And there are many wonderful community acupuncture places and a lot of big cities and in Washington, DC, we have one called little bird. That's great. I've been going to, and the treatments are more affordable in that case too. Um, well, thank you again. And um, for those of you listening out there, remember that you can just like pay attention to the season. I love thinking of creativity as a, a seasonal self-care practice right now. Um, for all the all the ladies out there, like respect thy body. And if you are um, getting your period or pregnant and you're feeling some changes, like good, that means you're alive and you're vital and you're connected to everything. And, <laughs> <laughs> and for and for the gentlemen out there too, like to like explore that that seasonal change and to, as a way to get in touch with your own feminine side could be a cool um, exploration as well. So thanks again, Lauren, and thanks yeah, to everyone thank you for so listening. Much, my pleasure. All right. Keep taking care of yourselves. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. 
There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.